Today I'm here in the worship center, and you are not. But when you hear this, you'll be in the worship center, and I will not be. In fact, I'll be doing a conference, and I had a message I so much want to bring to you that I'm going to be doing it in this way. And what I want to start with is this, the fact that there have been very few atheists in the history of the world. And there still are very few, in spite of the fact that many people try to say there are many. Here in the United States, the number is something like 3 million out of 309 million people. That's fewer than 1%. Now, there have been times in history where different kind of leaders tried to force atheism on their people. Uh, people like uh, Marx and, and Lenin and Mao. But in spite of all of the totalitarian force to try to get people not to believe in God, it didn't work. Uh, the people in the nation still thought there has to be something more than just myself and then this material world. So that now there still are, as there always have been, few atheists in the world. Now in saying that, I'm not saying that the majority of people in the world believe in the kind of God that the Bible talks about. A God who is personal and at work and separate from the things in this world. I, I'm just saying that people believe that there must be some sort of spiritual reality that is greater than this material world and really greater than we are. And because of that, wherever you go and whenever you may go to any place, you're going to find people who are searching for spiritual realities. People are searching for God. Now, that gets us into the series that I want to talk about that we're calling Turning Points. Because we who follow Jesus make this big claim. We claim that we have actually met God. We claim that we call God our Father. And we claim that all people have the opportunity to know the God that they are searching for through faith in the Lord Jesus. Now, the way that God makes himself known, we believe, is through the scriptures. Uh, he opens the very opening pages of scriptures in Genesis chapter 1 and declares, I am here and this is what I am like. But then people walk away from him, but God comes searching after us and he breaks into our lives. Ultimately, he breaks in by Jesus himself coming. But when you come to the Old Testament, you come to a whole series of stories where people who believe in God in their minds actually meet God. And I'll tell you, when you meet the true God as he is, things change. Things change. And if you ask me, well, Pastor, um, what things change? I'll tell you, you have to come back to every message of this series because that's what it's all about. We're going to see the kinds of changes that God brings about among people. What we're going to be seeing in this series is that God comes into the lives of real people. In fact, it doesn't hide any of those people's flaws from us. It's one of the things I love about the Bible. It doesn't make us think that these are exceptional people and only if you can become as perfect as they were will God have anything to do with us. No, no, no. These are very imperfect people that God enters into their lives and begins a process of remaking. And what that means for us, of course, is this, that if there was hope for some of the people here, there is hope for you and me as well. Now, the first one that we are going to meet in this series of turning points is a man named Abraham. His story is recorded in Genesis chapter 12, and especially an encounter in verses 1 through 5. Um, in fact, 
The real story begins a chapter earlier, if you'd like to take time and read that through. In Genesis chapter 11, we have a section of God's word that many Americans may find to be absolutely tedious and boring. It's all about the history of Abraham's family. It goes back for generations. We have name after name, many of them unpronounceable, how long they lived, where they lived, how many children they had, until eventually we come to a place at the end of chapter 11 in which a man named Terah had a son named Abram, and they were settled in in a place, uh, well, the Bible, you can read about it and see where that is. And that brings you to Genesis chapter 12. Everything is just going. The family has been there for a long time. A way, a comfortable way of life has been established. They believed in God. And then suddenly one day in Genesis 12:1, God broke in personally to the life of Abraham and nothing was ever the same. He came to him and said, go from this place to wherever I send you. And the point that I want to try to make today is when God breaks into our lives, only one person can be God. When we meet God as he really is, and it's no longer just a search for him, and it's no longer just you and me saying, well, of course I believe in a God. It is us actually meeting God. Then it is a turning point. Things begin to be different. And today I want to give you four basic principles from this powerful life of Abraham and the encounter he had with God. Principle number one is actually the title of my message, that when God breaks in, he sends us out. When God breaks in, he sends us out. And in chapter 12, verse 1, the Lord said to Abram, go. Now, the principle really is this. When God comes into our lives, he takes over. He has something he wants to do in this world. And what he turns us into is people with a mission. We have a reason to live. When we get involved in the mission that God is doing in this world, then our lives begin to count. Then we have a reason to live each day. Then when we go out and meet a person or do an activity, we look at it from a wholly different perspective. We say, God, you sent me here. What do you want to do through me here? Again, uh, Abraham, in Genesis chapter 12, before this encounter happened, he believed in God. He was like the majority of people in his world, and really like the majority of people in our world who do believe in God but have never really met him. And, in fact... I know that there are many, many, many people in church who come to church believing that God exists, but perhaps have never truly met God. Because when you meet him, you know who really matters in this world. What happens is when you and I meet God and see him as he is, we quickly learn this, that only one of us can be in control. And always it has to be the one who created the heaven and the earth. And always this happens. When God breaks in, he lets us know this. Not only can we know him, but we begin to realize he knows us. And he says, I have made you for a reason. And I've made you for this reason. To make known my glory, my love, my message, my grace to the world around you. So he breaks into our lives to change us. 
but he changes us as he sends us out into the world to represent us, re- represent him wherever he is sending us. I have to let you in on something. When we meet this kind of God that the Bible talks about, one of the things that's destroyed in you and me is a consumer's mentality. We can no longer have this thing that just permeates Southern California, the what's in it for me mentality. As the Apostle Paul would say, after I met Jesus, I learned who he really is, and then I learned I can no longer live for myself. I must live for him. And that's what you see in the story of Abraham. And we're going to see it in every one of the turning points throughout this series. God comes, breaks in, says, I know you are there. Now go, get out into my world. And if you look at chapter 1 of Genesis 12, Abraham had to leave the country where he knew people. He had to leave his culture where he felt comfortable. He even had to leave his family where he could be with his grandchildren. God didn't even tell him where he was going to be sending him. He just said, Abraham, go. Trust me. I'm going to do great things through you and in you, but you must go and let me be in control. And if you say, well, that's just uh, Abraham. Let me tell you, every time God breaks into a life, the same thing takes place. You can see it a little bit later. An 18-year-old young man named Isaiah believed in God, Isaiah 6. He goes into the house of God one day just as you've come in here. And God is there. He sees him as he is. And he has to fall down on his face for only God can be God. And then he hears the voice saying, I love these people. Who is going to go and bring my message to them? And Isaiah, just like Abraham, had to go. And his response was, here am I. Send me. And you know, we have it in the New Testament too. The Apostle Paul believed in God. He thought he was serving God. And one day he was walking along the road to Damascus thinking that he knew God. When the Son of God broke into his life, it was a blinding experience. And of course, it was an utterly life-changing experience. And when he met Jesus, he had to go to the very people he hated before meeting Jesus. He had to go to to the Gentiles. I'll tell you, when you and I come to meet God, it is a turning point in all of our lives. It's not just Abraham or Isaiah or Paul who will be sent into mission. It is everyone who truly meets God. He will say, listen, you meet me here, you go, and you're going to see people I love. People in your community who don't have enough to eat. Children in your community who can't get through school. And I am sending you to the people that I love as my representative to let them know that I love them and care for them. So that is the first principle that I want you to grab hold of today. That God breaks into our lives, not just to leave us in our comfort zones. But when God breaks in, he always sends us out. And if you think it's just a few, I say, no, no, no. Jesus would say to all his followers, as the Father sent me, I am sending you. That is the beginning of the turning point. That when we meet God as he is, he sends us out into his mission. Which brings me to principle number two. That when God breaks in, 
He sends us out for a purpose. He sends us out to be a blessing to others. Look at verses 2 and 3 of Genesis chapter 12. I will bless you. I will make your name great. And you will become a blessing. In fact, verse 3, all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So when God meets us, we experience his blessing. Um, we receive forgiveness of sins. Thank you, Lord. We, we have a beginning of God's work in us to, to have us have abundant life. But let me tell you, the greatest blessing really happens, and even God's blessing to us happens, when we focus our lives not upon what's good for me, but bringing his blessing to other people. In fact, our greatest blessing is when God actually uses us to bless other people. This kind of working together of us receiving blessing, but also carrying blessing to others, this is the way that God's work happens. We grow, we find joy as we get out of ourselves and we actually bring his message and his blessing to other people. As long as we focus our attention only on ourselves, there will always be an emptiness when we look outwardly to bring his blessing and, and care about people as God cares for people, we are going to find that our own lives find greater joy, greater shalom, and greater reality. In fact, I'd want to add this. There is probably the greatest blessing that you have when you serve others for the cause of Christ is that you have a confidence that you actually belong to God. You know, so many people who go to church uh, say that they are religious, still wonder sometimes, is this real? And if it's real, am, am I a truly a member of the family of God? Let me tell you, when you surrender your life to God and you go out to tell people about the Lord Jesus or you go out to bring the care and compassion and justice of Jesus to this world, God will work through you in such a way that not only will he use you in their lives, but he will give you an absolute confidence that you belong to him. Because he hasn't made us simply to live for ourselves. And when we live as he's made us to live, to bring blessing to others as he brings blessing to us, we ourselves have a certainty of our own relationship to God as well as a depth of joy. That's the way Jesus was. No one served more fully than he did. And his word was in John chapter 4, verse 34, that my nourishment, my satisfaction, is when I do the will of my Father who is in heaven. You know this. Self-centered lives are always empty. You and I have not been made by God to find his shalom when we live for ourselves. Now, the sending out to bring blessing to others may be to all sorts of places. It may be right back to your school, but tomorrow when you go to your school, you're not going there just to make a better grade. You're going to do your best there. But your goal is to bring some of his message and his joy to the students or to the faculty members around you. Or when you go to the workplace, you'll continue to be a good worker there. But you have eyes open to try to find opportunity to bring some of his love, some of his opportunity and hope to the world that is around you. As the Father sent Jesus, he is sending us. We look at every opportunity as a divine encounter as a divine opportunity, because when he sends us out, he sends us out to bring his blessing 
to others. And in that, our own lives have meaning. Which brings me to the third principle. And that is this. When God breaks in, and then he sends us out, we must be willing to give up things. The Lord said to Abram in verse 1, Go from your country, from your people, and from your household. I think sometimes we have this idea, sure, I'll I'll serve God as long as I don't have to give this up. Can you imagine Abraham saying, you know, God, I like this idea of me being a a blessing to the whole world, but I'll do it if I can do it from home. Or I'll do it if you'll tell me what the uh, benefit plan is for me. If that had happened, uh, there would have been no blessing through Abraham. The the fact is that when God sends us out, always there will be a loss of things. And some of you in our church have already experienced this. Sometimes it will be your family that pushes back, saying, wait a minute, we brought you up to be religious. Are you saying that we aren't even people who know God as you have come to have a personal encounter with God through faith in Jesus? You know what it's cost you. You know, sometimes it has cost you some of your friendships when you have lived for God first in your life rather than the way that you lived before. Many times your friends say, well, that's something I don't want anything to do with. There are also the kinds of losses that we have of our time and leisure. When, when I just wanted to do what I wanted to do and now we sense maybe I should be serving God in his church. Maybe I should be getting out in the community and meeting people. And serving some of the kids who are in the community, it will be costly of our time. And often, often it will be something that costs us some of our financial resources. As we recognize that those temporary material resources need to be used to send a missionary where the gospel's never been heard. Need to be used to underscore a ministry where the gospel can can be carried to the children in our church. Uh, Let me bring this right here home to Lake Avenue Church. Uh, Right now, uh, Pastor Albert is planting a church in Monrovia. I don't know if you remember that when he first brought this idea to uh, his wife, La Rosa, her first question was, now, for 115 years, they'd paid salaries every week at Lake Avenue Church. Uh, What do they do there? Oh, we have a health plan when we're here. Uh, What's the health plan there? And Pastor Albert had to really evaluate, was this God's call? And if it's God's call and those things weren't necessarily going to be carried over to the new place, would he go anyway? You see, there's always a demand that we are ready to lose things if we're going to be sent out. And for us as a church, if we sense as we have that God is in this and we send people to go to another place, we think, wait a minute, we're in a difficult financial place in our own community here. And if we send out people, well... There's risk in that. And I say, of course there is. Because any time we meet God and we hear him say, this is what I will have you to do, it's always going to demand a willingness to lose things in this world. And we will feel like there is risk if you respond to God. But let me really tell you this, there is no risk if God is in it. The only real risk to us is if we disobey the God who created this world. No one saw this more clearly than Jesus. And in his call to all disciples, Luke chapter 9, verses 23 and 24, he would say, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny himself, 
Take up a cross daily and follow me. For whoever insists on saving his own life will lose it. But if you lose your own life for me and the gospel, you will find life. That's the third principle. When God breaks in and sends us out, um, we must be willing to lose things in this world. But that brings me to the fourth principle and the final one. That when God breaks in and sends us out, his blessing will be better than any loss. Anything we lose for the sake of Christ, we'll, we'll see it's not really a loss at all. In fact, again, look at chapter 12, verse 1 with Abram. The Lord said to Abram, go, and then I will bless you. The promise of blessing is there. The Apostle Paul, again, Philippians chapter 3. His testimony is as beautiful as any I've ever heard. He had everything that the people in his world valued. And this is what his testimony was in Philippians chapter 3. I had everything that the people in my world think is important. But then, verse 7, whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. So what is more, I consider everything a loss in this world because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. It's for his sake that I have lost things, but I consider those things garbage so that I may know Christ. I want to know Christ. I'll tell you, the thing that we try to find through our material possessions or through uh, use of our own leisure time or seeking pleasure is really a shalom and inner peace and a joy. And the fact is, many of those things will bring a measure of joy, but only when Christ is in his rightful place. Then you can find true life. But we must begin by knowing that um, when we meet God as he is, he's going to send us out, send us out to be a blessing to others. We have to be willing to lose things in this material world, things important to us. We have to be willing to give those up. Nothing in the place of God, but we can never outgive God. We can never outgive God. His blessing will be greater than anything we have ever given up. You ask me, what kind of blessing will that be? Well, I can't say what it's going to be. I just know this. It will be better than anything you can imagine. Uh, one story about this that in my family we'll never forget. There was a church in South Chicago that the Waybright family loved to visit. I used to preach there a lot. It was mostly an African-American church. So we one time would go down, went down to that church and tried to sneak in because when we would go and I would be preaching, the uh, pastor would always ask my son Brandon to come up there and play the electric guitar. Now, now this was a church diff different from ours. They didn't have... Um, uh, chord charts. Uh, they didn't have musical scores. <laughs> you would just start a song, any song, at any time, in any key. And it's a little bit intimidating to be sitting there having to find out what key that's in and what is this song. And so Brandon, feeling a bit intimidated, did not want to go in and play the guitar. So he said, let's go in late and I'm not taking my guitar. So we were sitting there. Now, of course, we couldn't hide. Being as pale as we are, we couldn't hide. And the pastor saw us walk in, and especially one of his elders, who was a police officer in Chicago, saw us walk in. And I saw Pastor Mike send him down to us. And as we were sitting there in the row, 
the elder came down. He was a strong man with his right hand. He came up to Brandon. He looked him in the eye, put his hand on Brandon's shoulder, and he said, young man, the Lord is calling you into service. Brandon said, "Um, well, I, I didn't bring my guitar today. Young man, when the Lord calls you into service, he provides what you need to serve him. The Lord is calling you into service. And so he went and he served and he served wonderfully and he found such joy in that service. See, it's not just for an Abraham. It's it's for a, a Greg Waybright and a Brandon Waybright, and you can just put your name right in there too. Because God is real. The world is searching for him. And he is ready to be met through faith in the Lord Jesus. And you and I who come to a church like this say, we have met him. He is our father. Because the God we believe in is not just up there. He is right here, ready to be known. And ready to change lives. And the only way that he can be known, his plan, was that he will break into lives like yours and mine. But when he breaks in, he sends us out. When he sends us out, he makes us into the carriers and bearers of his blessing. But if we're going to bring his blessing and know his blessing, we must be willing to lose some of those temporary things of this world that sometimes we have put into the place of God. But let me tell you this, there is no loss as great as the blessing that comes from following and obeying This God who is real, this God who is to be known, and this God who calls us into his service. May you come to know him and the blessing that he alone can be in you and through you to his glory. Amen.